Jesus, we are your people and your church. As we look out onto your world, we see great darkness and an increasing wickedness. You are the light of the world. Help us to shine your light into the darkness. Wake us from our complacency and sleep and empower us today to be strong and courageous and to share your life-transforming gospel with those in darkness. Help us to grasp that the local church is the hope of the world and that we are that church, gathered and scattered. You have no plan B. We are your people called by your name to reach this generation, called to be fruitful on our front lines, called to love you, to reach people, to make disciples. Help us to see what you see, to feel what you feel, and to carry your passion for this land. Soften our hearts, Lord, and replace our hearts of stone with the hearts of flesh. Give us a passion and your love and compassion for the lost, for the hurting, for the vulnerable, for the weak and the strong, the rich and the poor, the young, the old, and all those in between. Help us to love those who are just different to us. Restore our spiritual passion and reignite your fire in our hearts. Set our hearts on fire for your kingdom. Raise up an army of people who are together, one in heart and mind, who avoid comfort and safety and ease, but who would rather run towards sacrifice, servanthood and risk. Holy Spirit, may today be a day of encounter. We need you. We need you to come and fill each one of us with your power. Unleash your power today, we pray. Touch each one of us. Unleash your power today. Touch each one of us. Unleash your power today. Touch each one of us. Unleash your power today. Touch each one of us. Unleash your power today, Father. Touch each one of us. Unleash your power today. Touch each one of us.
unleash your power today, Father. Touch each one of us. No, this is one of those one of those holy moments we've been singing about the holy God this morning and he calls us to holiness that means consecrated set apart putting him first in everything and, and this is just one of those moments I think where God's just calling us to reach out to him afresh Recommit our lives to him, resurrender to him, submit our lives to him. And as we do that, he'll meet with us. He'll meet with us. And maybe you've lost your way of late, maybe you've lost your passion and your fire, and maybe just in this moment you just need to reach out to him. We say again, Father. Unleash your power this morning. Touch each one of us. Touch each one of us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you we can have these moments with you. Thank you that you love us and accept us just as we are. That each one of us is on a, a journey with you and we're all at different points and places and some of us, our lives are just going great at the moment. Others have got struggles and challenges and you see it all, Father. You see us. You know us. You know us better than we know ourselves. And we just thank you we can have moments like this with you in your house and in our homes, wherever we are. And as we look at your word in a moment, we just pray that you will, you will just in, invade your word, that you will just presence yourself in this place as we listen and interact with it. And we just pray you... You just continue to minister to us and we pray that we will leave this place empowered, equipped in every way for everything we face, everything we need to be your witnesses wherever we find ourselves in the coming days. We pray, Holy Spirit, just... I just pray, come and fill every one of us during this, during this service. We don't need to wait till the end. 
you're just here for us now and we just pray as we as we listen just continue to fill us refresh us restore us revitalize us lift off all the garbage all the rubbish that we we've we've taken in that that sort of uh infected us detox us um change us transform us set us free to be the people that you've called us to be holy spirit we just give you permission just come and come and meet with us in this moment may our lives be transformed in these in these moments because you're the only one who can do that so come amongst us we pray and continue what you've started in these few moments we pray in jesus name amen amen wow 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 i wasn't expecting that to happen god is good isn't he god is good wow Haven't we just been singing, I want to make room for you? Have you seen you singing that this morning? Did we even not sing that this morning? I wasn't really concentrating. I was so much in prayer as we were, as we were worshipping. I wasn't actually doing much worshipping this morning. Um, I was just sort of trying to ask God what he wanted to do. Um, yeah, so we're doing this series. And uh, so I, I've been seeking God this week about... Um, what to preach on this morning and, and how to uh, preach, I don't know, several chapters of the book, um, this wonderful book, Unleashed. And, um, and I felt God just give me two phrases. So there's really two points this sermon, although you know me well enough, you know there's probably more than that. Um, but there's two main points to it. And uh, number one really is it's a wake-up call. And uh, I must say, reading this book, I've, I've read it, this is a second reading now, and uh, I read it months ago now. And I've found it so challenging personally reading this book. I don't know those of you who've already picked it up or starting reading it. Maybe some of you haven't started reading it yet, and that's fine. We're, we're really only starting seriously today. But um, the more I read this book, the more I realize um, how far the Western church has departed from the New Testament uh, model. And, um, and also as well, personally, uh, how I've lost a bit of spiritual passion. Um, just reflecting on it and thinking about my own sort of life and relationship with God and, and ministry and in many respects as just preparing to come this morning I, I'd, I'd almost had in mind that I was going to bring a mirror in and and put it on here and uh, you know those ladies mirrors uh, that you ladies use you take them to travel with and I was sort of thinking well I'll put it there just as a as a sign to you guys that um, you know, as much as I was preaching to you, I'm sort of preaching to myself. That I'm looking at myself in the mirrors. I'm sort of sharing this message this morning because um, it's easy for us to lose our spiritual passion, isn't it? And it's it's easy for us to lose our way um, in life. And and I was just sort of reflecting back and trying to think what I was like um, in 1995 when we planted our first church and and the passion that I had for Jesus and the and the longing that I had for revival and and the desire to. Um, to see people saved and, and reach out to people and, and, and help others to experience the presence of God and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when I started out in ministry, you know, I'd, I thought we were going to change the world. I, f I thought we were going to see revival come. I thought we were going to see lots of people come to faith and see lots of people saved and healed and delivered. And, and in some respects, uh, we have seen that. And then you get to lead a church. 
and then you get to lead a church. And uh, you think you're going to spend your days doing all that stuff, evangelizing the world. And then what you find is that you spend most of your days bogged down in admin and organization and finance and meetings and safeguarding and uh, pastoral care and media and staff and everything else. You just get completely uh, bogged down in it, resulting in very little time being left to change and transform um, the world. You just end up rushing from one thing to the next and one meeting to the next and one, uh, one crisis or whatever it is that's going on. And uh, in the meantime, you're desperately trying to lead the church um, in the right direction and into what you believe God wants for his uh, church. It's an almost impossible task at times to achieve. And so I, I look at my own life, but then I also consider you guys as well. And I'm sure that many of you started on your Christian walk and, you know, you had that passion and that desire and you wanted to see revival and you wanted to share your faith with um, loads of people and all that kind of stuff. And then life hits you, doesn't it? And uh, busyness and, and family and children and everything else. And um, it's so easy to lose our way, isn't it? It's easy for a pastor to lose his way and it's easy for... Uh, for, for, for you guys as well to lose your way. So there's no condemnation this morning. But I do believe this is a wake-up call because meanwhile, uh, darkness covers the land and wickedness increases. And we thought about this a little bit last week about the, the darkness and the increase in wickedness. Gavin Calver, who, who co-wrote this book with his wife, Anne, says this, in many ways, it can feel like the church in the UK is asleep while the darkness appears to be winning and taking advantage of our slumber and I think in a sense that's true that's why this book is so challenging and he quotes R.T. Kendall um, the great bible teacher I love R.T. Kendall's teaching American guy he was a pastor at Westminster um, Chapel for many years amazing man of God amazing bible teacher and he came up with this uh, quote about five years ago the greatest evidence that we are asleep is our lack of courage over what is tolerated in the church and what is going on in the world not only are we indifferent to what is happening before our eyes, we've become so used to it that we are virtually impervious to it. The biblical view of marriage is on the way out. Terrorism is at our doors. Church attendance is declining more than ever. We're losing our young people. If someone calls this to our attention, we say, oh yes, it's pretty awful. Then we roll over and let, sleep, let me sleep on. That's pretty true, I think, of the UK church, of the Western church church that that seems to be the prevailing attitude and uh, in the book Gavin describes his meeting an old friend who had supported him in, the early, in his early years and encouraged him in his faith and built him up in his faith and and he, he says about this guy this guy was so passionate and so enthusiastic about his faith and I had this meeting with him I hadn't seen him for a few years and 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 he talked animatedly and enthusiastically about his new patio and um he says in the book, why is it that I meet so many Christians today who, who, who are animated, they're enthusiastic about their new kitchen, but they've lost that enthusiasm, that passion for Jesus and his kingdom. So I think this morning is a bit of a wake-up call, and this, this book is a wake-up call as well. And uh, Malcolm MacDonald, um, another pastor who is quoted in the book, says this, we spend our, this is really, be careful about this quote, we spend our lives seeking safety, 
ease and comfort. That was reflected in my prayer earlier. Yet the church in the New Testament ran towards sacrifice, servanthood, and risk. What is our goal in life? Getting our needs met or laying our lives down? Is it time we refocused our priorities? This book is a, should come with a warning, shouldn't it? It's a wake-up call for the Western church. And perhaps, just perhaps, you become a little distracted. Maybe you've lost your sight of the main thing. Maybe it's just become a bit too comfortable, easy, and safe, your Christian life. And so can I ask you these questions? I put three questions up here. You know, where is your passion for God right now? Where's your desire to, to put him first? Last Sunday, I gave a call at the end. For those who, I, I put the challenge out for people to seek first the kingdom of God. To Jesus in, in, in uh, Matthew 6, 33, Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God. I said I had a sense there were people here who needed to seek first again, to put that as their number one priority, seeking first the kingdom of God. Not one person came to the front. Not one person came out to the front to say that I want to do that. I want to seek first. That should be how we're living, guys. That's how I'm trying to live to my, to my uttermost. I'm trying my hardest to do that. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Putting him first. And listen, when you do that, I've said this so many times, everything else falls into place. Trust me. All those, those desires, those dreams, those longings, they start to fall into place. If you went after those desires and dreams and longing without putting Jesus first, probably nothing will happen. You just live a life of frustration. But when you seek first his kingdom, actually what happens is the longer you seek first his kingdom, the longer you spend in relationship with Jesus and prioritize that relationship with Jesus, what happens is he starts to put those desires and dreams in your heart and they all start to fall into place. And you live this most wonderful, fulfilled life, full of passion, full of, full of adventure, you know, tough times, of course. But when we seek him first, and so, you know, where is your passion for God and the desire to put him first in everything? Where is your hunger for the lost? Where is the hunger for the lost in Banbury Community Church right now? Where's the hunger for the lost? They are going to hell. Argue with me afterwards. We have to take this seriously. And never mind going to hell, they're missing out now. On everything we have, imagine your neighbor who's, who's just discovered they've got cancer or something, or just lost their job, or struggling with anxiety and fear with their mental health issues. They've got no one to turn to, nowhere for help. We have Jesus. We, have, we know him. We know how he helps in those circumstances. We know he's the miracle worker. We know he's the healer. He's the, no, one, we know he's the one who opens doors. We have this. So where's the hunger for the lost? And where is the desire to seek his face until he moves in power, to really seek him? So I want to say this morning, awake, O sleeper. It's time to wake up. This is a wake-up call this morning. And, uh, and here's the thing, just to encourage you a little bit. What we're experiencing is nothing new. Let's put this, uh, oh, yeah, we've got it there already. We've got this passage from Ephesians. Paul wrote Ephesians in A.D. 60 to 61, they reckon. Within 30 years of Jesus' birth, death, resurrection, and ascension, within 30 years, the church was already losing its way. So we look at that New Testament church, and we, we hold them up as a model. 
as you know, these amazing people transforming the world, but they'd already started to lose their way. For you were once darkness, he says to them, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Keep going. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You have to remind them, come on, guys. Wake up. Wake up. You're going to sleep again. You're falling back into those ways that you left behind. And as I was thinking about this and praying this through, I, I couldn't help but personally be reminded, you know, I'm doing all that sort of thinking and praying and reflecting on, on my own life. And, you know, have I lost my passion a bit? Have I, have I lost what I first set out with? And thinking of the, of the letters to the churches, and maybe we can put the next one up, um, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right, the, and this has been abbreviated, by the way, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden candles. And he basically says to them, look, you know, you've, you've put up with a lot. You've not grown weary, but you've forsaken the love you had at first. Repent and do the things you did at first. And I was personally challenged by this. I was, I was just trying to think, what, what did you used to be like, Simon, 30 years ago? What were you like? What, what are you missing? What things were you doing at first? That, made, that, that caused you to have more passion than you have right now. And then the other churches as well. Oh, well, well actually, let me say this. I started, I, I started asking God, you know, have I lost my way? Has my passion run cold? That calling to be a missionary to England, have I, have I lost that a little bit? That longing to see people saved, that, that passion for the presence of God, that desire to see other people experience that. Have I lost that? And maybe for some of us, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Have you lost it somewhere along the way, this passion? Does God need to say to you, wake up. Get back to the things that you did at first. What was it that you were doing at first that made your Christian walk uh, different? And then um, to the church in Sardis as well. I get this same message coming out. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. I think it's a call for the UK church, the Western church. And the church of Laodicea, I know your deeds that you're neither hot nor cold, cold nor hot. I wish you were either one of them. So easy to lose our way, isn't it? So easy. So easy to settle for this life of comfort and ease. You're not keeping up with me, I don't think. We go on to the next, uh, on to the next one. This quote which I mentioned earlier. We spend our lives seeking safety and ease and comfort. Yet the church in the New Testament ran towards sacrifice and servanthood and risk. And meanwhile, for us, darkness covers the land. Wickedness increases. So this morning, the first point is that wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. Are you feeling woken up this morning? It's cold in here, so there's no chance you're going to sleep. <laughs> and we will talk to them about that tomorrow. Apologies for that. But you feel waking up. Wake up. It's time to wake up. It is time, listen, it is time for the church to be courageous, to stand on God's word, to stand for truth, to challenge what's going on in society. I was talking to my granddaughter yesterday, uh, Macy. Um, how old 
you could she watch it 12 yeah i knew you said 11 12 we've got that many grandchildren i i can't remember all the ages and numbers and everything i was asking her about um what she was being taught in school about gender ideology and it's shocking what is going on in our nation today that actually actually children are identifying as cats and having litter trays because they've got children in the class who are, who are cats. They've got children in the class who change their gender identity during the day. And she said, you can get in trouble if you, if you call somebody by the wrong gender. The gender they came in with the morning might have changed by break time. Our world is a mess. And let me, I, I, can I be political for a moment? What is so dangerous about what's happening in this country right now is, it is not the politicians who are driving this. We think we vote people in and if we don't like what they're doing with our country, we can vote them out. But it's all these other organizations who are making the rules right now. Guys, we really need to pray about this. We're having stuff imposed upon us that isn't going through Parliament. It is not going through Parliament. So we need to be really aware. Darkness is covering the land. Wickedness is increasing. And we can pray, but we need to be courageous as Christians and make a stand. I purposely was asking my granddaughter because I wanted to know what was going on. I'd read stuff in the press, but I was shocked by what I was hearing. All the different genders and everything else and sexuality that's, that's being taught as normal. Dangerous stuff causing chaos and confusion and, 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 and just the young people today are growing up confused and sad and hurt and not sure about stuff. We need to pray and we need to stand up. So this is a wake-up call. The second thing is, and this is probably the good news, is a fill-up call as well. It's a fill-up call today because the subject is power. Unleash power. And we can do none of this. We can make no stand or be courageous without his power. We can't witness. We can't really live for God in the way that we should be doing without his power. And that's the good news, that power is available. And Jesus said to them, but if you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. The prophets prophesied it and Jesus promised his power. Power to live, power to witness, power for the front lines. I wonder, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, I, I would love to ask this question and ask for hands, but I don't want to embarrass anybody or make anybody feel condemned, but, you know, we all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's there for us. God has, you know, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to provide my Holy Spirit for you. And so we, we, we need to embrace that and, and say, Father, fill me with your Spirit. I think God was starting to do that early on when we were just praying that prayer earlier, that, that God was starting to work in some of you and start to uh, fill you up. I've experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit numerous times. Numerous times I've had people pray for me. They prayed for me this morning in the prayer meeting to be, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And each of those times, I guess, has been different. And, you know, sometimes it's been powerful and it's been zap and bang and you're on your back on the floor shaking because, you know, you, you've had this encounter with God. And I always, I always think about these things that when we have one of those power encounters with God, it's a miracle we're still alive. You think about it. God touches you. Well, be gentle, you know. I know how powerful you are, just, you know, take it easy. But sometimes we have those power encounters where we're shaking, rattling and rolling, and then other times it's just so peaceful and it's so gentle. 
sometimes, as I experience, often the tears are rolling down my face. I'm just, ex I'm just experiencing his love and, and his presence drawing me, just sort of drawing close to me, just cocooning me for a moment and, and filling me. There have been times where I've been drunk in the Holy Spirit. That's recorded in Pentecost. They thought they were drunk, and they were saying, it's too early in the day for this. How have they been drinking? Because they were just, they were drunk. They were just, I've been there. I've been in that place where, where that has, other times there's been heat. Other times I've shaken. Other times I just felt nothing. And then started ministering the next day or talking to someone and just suddenly, wow, something happened when they prayed for me yesterday. This feels different. I'm a different person. Something's happened to me. So many different ways in which God fills us with his Holy Spirit. And can I say this? Every encounter is different. Every experience is different. And, and uh, he mentions it in the book, and I think it's quite helpful that sometimes it's hard for those of us who are introverts to sort of put ourselves in that place of receiving, to be, to be prayed for, for the Holy Spirit. And I just encourage you, if, you, if you're one of those people who, who just wants to hide away in a corner and, um, you know, you don't want to put yourself out there and ask for prayer, well, you know, be bold and courageous. Ask somebody to pray for you. And, and if, you, if you're worried that, oh, I'm gonna f I might fall over or I might shake, rattle and roll or whatever, well, just sit down on the chair and let somebody pray for you. But just be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and keep on being filled. So on the day of Pentecost, the power of God fell. And we've, seen, we've read this story many times, and it's just up there. I'm not going to spend too much time dwelling on, on that. But Peter was transformed by the, being filled with the Holy Spirit. You think about that. Peter, the, the, the disciple Peter, he, he's just denied Jesus three times, run for his life. And then suddenly, this guy who's part of this group of renegades who are, you know, in, in many respects, sort of um, the opposition, who are, who are a threat to, uh, to the Judaism and a threat to the Romans and that sort of thing. They're, they're sort of hiding away. They get, they get, they're praying. They, he gets filled with the Spirit and suddenly is standing up and preaching to what must have been an enormous crowd because 3,000 people got saved. I mean, that's not bad going for a first preach, is it? Some of you have done your first preaches in here in the, this year. That's not bad preach, is it? Three, but here's the thing. The fear went and the faith came in because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens. And the early church was launched. And F.F. F. Bruce, Bruce who's, a, who's a prominent New Testament scholar, um, we studied him when we were at Bible College, used some of his books. He says this, the hugely encouraging thing is that this same power is available to all of us today. Whatever our background, God invites us to keep coming to be filled and refilled with his promised Holy Spirit. Serious theologian, that guy. That's what he says. And Paul prayed for it as well. Let's put that prayer up. I keep asking, I love this prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm praying this for you guys now. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Each one of you, I'm praying that for you now, Paul's prayer, that you may know him better. You might have a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation and know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
That's what we want as we leave here today. To know that incomparably great power that's there for us who believe. That you know that. That you've experienced it today. That you know that that is inside you. And he describes that incredible power in the following verses. Why do we try and do church and life and witness without his power? Next slide. Why do we, why do we try and do it? Why do we try and do it? The Spirit's arrival in Acts Church was critical for the establishing of the early church. So why would we think it's any different today? To try and do life and church without the Spirit. John Wimber, who established the Vineyard Movement, would often say that if the Holy Spirit was removed from churches, that 95% of them would carry on just as they were doing. Yeah, it wouldn't even be noticed that the Holy Spirit was there. Can you imagine the Acts Church without the Spirit of God? Can you imagine what would have happened if they hadn't been filled with the Spirit that day? I don't think we'd be sat here in the mill theatre today. Wow, the power they had. Imagine the, the, uh, the, the culture at the time. So anti them, so much persecution. Fearing for their lives, making a stand, talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Declaring it. Spreading the gospel all over the place. Signs and wonders and miracles happening. None of that would have happened. So, today's a wake-up call. It's a fill-up call. And just as, as we come draw to a close, I just want to say some things about this entire book and the way it sets the scene. Maybe we can put the next uh, slide up as well. Oh, you're a little bit behind me, aren't you? Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. So it introduces these three themes, which I think is really important to... Uh, three keys, which I think is important to just to lay out today and just mention briefly as well, community life. Maybe we can put the next one up, community life. Something I've been saying for the last few weeks is this, that, that it's important that we're together, that we're one in heart and mind, that, that everybody is in. I think I've mentioned this in, I think it's the fifth sermon now I've mentioned it in, you know, together, one in heart and mind. You see, they caught the vision. They, they, they caught the vision to share Jesus. And I'm not sure we have just yet, but our vision is to love God, to reach people, to make disciples. Everybody in. Everybody in. Everybody engaged. Fully engaged. Everyone playing their part in what God wants to do here in Banbury. You know, no more making a commitment, no more fitting your life around God in church around God. I'll go to life group if I've got nothing better to do. No more of that. Seek first the kingdom. The kingdom first above everything. Kingdom first above everything. No more spectating. Difficult in an auditorium like this. Every, everyone contributing. Helping this team become an army. This group of people become an army. Community life is going to be so important for us in the coming weeks and months. Or the alternative is this. We spend our lives seeking safety, ease, and comfort. Yet the church in the New Testament ran towards sacrifice, servanthood, and risk. We're not there yet, are we? But that's where we want to be. 
And with regards to prayer, I've got the next one up. Jesus taught on prayer. He, he modeled prayer. The early church took prayer seriously. They were devoted to prayer. The results speak for themselves, don't they? They speak for themselves. A devotion. Devoted to prayer. Constantly at prayer. And the results of the Western Church's empty prayer meetings speak for themselves too. for a moment we have monthly prayer meetings at Banbury Community Church we get about around 20 people come out of about 150 adults on our books the results speak for themselves so in this new season in this autumn can I encourage you to at the very least get to our once a month prayer meetings and come and pray and seek God's face for his community for his people prayerlessness results in powerlessness and uh, God supplied the power but we need to pray uh, guys that's how God built his kingdom let me give you a couple of encouraging quotes on prayer prayer turns ordinary mortals into men of power it brings power it brings fire it brings rain it brings life it brings God I love that quote I love that quote. And prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. All that God is and all that God has are at the disposal of prayer. Here's the thing. I don't know whether I should say this or not. Whether I should say this or not, we're going to anyway. I always think, I have this, I have this theory that church prayer meetings are, are poorly attended because people in their personal lives don't pray very much. Because if people in their personal lives prayed more, they would see the power of prayer. And if they saw the power of prayer and the answers to prayer in their personal life, they would want to be at the prayer meeting because they would see the benefits of praying. It's a wake-up call, isn't it, this morning? Challenging stuff. Listen, I'm not, I, I, I could, you know, we could fill this place with 200 people and, and preach garbage. We need to preach the truth. God wants to do something here. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call, a very gentle one, I think. Throughout the Bible and history, a combination of people's prayers and God's power have, have built kingdom. And look at this prayer that they prayed in the Acts of the Apostles. Oh, you're already on, you're ahead of me on this one, that's good. And they prayed this prayer, and really it's a prayer for courage, isn't it? You know, it's a prayer for boldness and courage. And after they finished praying, God met with them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, preached the word of God with boldness. So, increasing prayer. Let me just give you a couple of, couple of slides, and then we're, then we're done. Let, let's see prayer increasing in our church. As part of our community life, as part of this, you know, this whole unleashed thing that we're going through to let's let's each of us pray intentionally and consistently and wholeheartedly and expectantly increase your prayer life keep going let's soak the church in prayer soak the community in prayer join with us to pray once a week we pray in the service quarter to 11 quarter to um, 10 before the service in there i noticed a few more people coming which is really good but when we pray in the pavilion at body coat once a month come and join us on that first monday of the month and then also consistently pray for your unchurched friends. Let's do that.
You know, we've had this focus on Isaiah 61. I encourage you to get involved in that. But let's share life. Let's share faith. Let's share Jesus. But let's pray for our unchurched friends. Let me just tell you this, this, this little quote from R.A. Tory again. And you'll be encouraged by this. This is, I mean, this is 100 years ago or whatever. But he says this. Up in a little town in Maine, in America, things were pretty dead some years ago. The churches were not accomplishing anything. There were a few godly men in the churches, and they said, here we are, only uneducated laymen, but something must be done in this town. Let us form a praying band. We will all center our prayers on one man. Who shall it be? They picked out one of the hardest men in the town, a hopeless drunkard, and centered all their prayers upon him. In a week, he was converted. They centered their prayers upon the next hardest man in town, and soon he was converted. Then they took up another and another, until within a year, two or three hundred men were brought to God, and the fire spread out into all the surrounding country. Definite prayer for those in the prison house of sin is the need of the hour. Let's be praying. Let's be praying. God will do it. God will do it. If I could tell you the answers to prayer I've seen this year, just praying, 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 seeking God. Challenge for the life groups. You know, if you're serious about this, join a life group. Talk to Rosie and Dave. Join a group. We don't care if there's 30 people in every group. We haven't got a massive amount of groups, but we just want everyone on this program. Sign up for Isaiah 61. Get the app. Be encouraged by that app to just share your life, share your faith, share Jesus. And here's another challenge. I want every group, I'm challenging every group to create a prayer board and pray for your unchurched friends every week. To pull it out every week when you meet in your life group and pray for them and feedback what's going on. And let's see some of these people getting saved. And then this week as well, I want to encourage you to do this in your life group. Why don't you pray for each other to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why don't you do it again? To leave plenty of time at the end of the meeting or the start of the meeting, half an hour, and just take it in turns, put each person in the center of the room and just pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we need more. So today... It's a call to wake up, and it's a call to fill up. That's what I believe God wants to say to us. It's quite a simple one. God's raising an army, and perhaps you've been playing it safe for too long. Perhaps you've been too comfortable, too at ease, maybe asleep. Maybe you've lost your spiritual passion. But what if we all pressed in? What if we all pressed into this? I think that's what God wants us to do, to wake up and to fill up. Shall we pray together? Hallelujah. I have no idea what time it is. It's actually one minute to 12, I tell you what. That is the anointing, isn't it? That is the anointing. How do we do that? How do we do that? Amazing. Should we get the band back and... uh, Yeah. I hope you're not too cold. Um... Let's stand together, shall we? Let's stand. We're going to do some praying. Got a few moments to do some praying. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your presence right now in this place. 
we thank you you've been with us this morning. You're always with us. But it just seems sometimes you're just more with us. There's a stronger sense of your presence. And we thank you for that sense of your presence this morning. And maybe you're in here today and, and you don't know God as Father. You haven't a relationship with God. I just want to encourage you, if, it, if that's you this morning, just to reach out to him. You don't need to know everything about religion and faith. You just need to reach out to him. Maybe in your heart right now, just say, Father, I'm reaching out to you. I don't know you, but I know I need to know you. I want to know you. I want what these guys have got. I sense that this isn't just a theater where shows go on, but there's something in here today. And that's you. So just invite him to come into your life. Invite him to come into your heart and change and transform you and, and take you on a journey of faith. You can do that in the quietness of your heart right now. Just as you're thinking in your mind right now, just say, God, I'm up for this. I invite you in. Come and live in me today. And for the rest of us today, it's a wake-up call, but it's a fill-up call as well. And Father, we, <clears throat> we thank you. You don't just leave us in comfort and ease and asleep and we all we all go to those places at times and father this morning we just want to say we're sorry we want to say we're sorry we want to be like those early christians who who just ran towards sacrifice and servanthood and danger and risk we want to be like them and we just ask you to forgive us father that some of us we've just lost our way of late and we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us. Let today be a new day for us. We seek your face today. And as a church, Father, as a church community, we want to be together. We want to be one in heart and mind. We want to be so focused on what you're calling us to do. We want to love you, Father. We want to reach people. We want to make disciples. Help us to do that. Help us to do that. Help us to do that.